Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, advertising, because in the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm an editor with adweek.com. And with me, as he is each week, is Tim Nutt, our creative editor. Tim, how are you? I'm doing well, David. How are you? Uh, we'll talk about you in a minute. But also with us this week is, is Christina Monlos, senior editor on the Brand Marketing Beat. Uh, Christina, welcome back to the show. Thank you. And also, I just want to apologize to any listeners. I don't think this will happen, but there's construction in my house and I have two dogs. So apologies if there are any noises whatsoever. That's the ambiance, the the real life atmosphere that makes podcasting so magical. <laughs> All right, and also back is Marty Swante, a staff writer covering the technology beat. Marty, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. All right, well, we are going to dive in with some uh, heartbreaking news. All right, this is totally inside baseball news, but for those of you who've been listening for the last 78-odd episodes that we've been putting out this podcast, you know that Tim Nudd has been our co-host and is a creative editor going way back with Adweek. He is leaving us. Uh, Tim, uh, congratulations on getting a new gig. Um, we haven't really talked about this publicly yet, so what can you tell folks about where what you're going to be doing? Well, thanks, David. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big change, and I've been with Adweek for a long time, and uh, you know, it's it's bittersweet leaving. But I am excited to to let everybody know that uh, I'm head, heading over to Clio, uh, the Clio Awards, to take on the the, the new role of, of editor in chief over there. And I'm still going to be writing about creativity, but kind of in a broader way. Uh, I'll be looking um, for brilliant creative ideas to sort of celebrate. Um, not just in advertising, um, but also in some of the other industries where Clio has events. Um, so music, sports, fashion. So kind of what I do now, but kind of finding and recognizing um, the freshest, you know, most fun, most interesting uh, creative ideas. Uh, a lot of it still through a marketing lens, but kind of through uh, in, in a broader set of, of industries. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of specifics, um, it's kind of a little too early to talk about products, but I hope to have some shiny new objects to share in the next few months. Um, hopefully some daily creative content that hopefully people will want to enjoy and engage with and be inspired by, which is kind of Clio's whole uh, whole mission. So that's where it stands now. Um, but, you know, very, very tough for me to leave Adweek, which has been my home for so long. Well, I, I know I speak for everyone at Adweek when I say that Tim's impact on uh, this publication really is unprecedented. Um, and I, I'm not just saying that because he's on here. Uh, you know, Tim... <laughs> 
Tim has raised the bar so high for creative coverage across the entire industry, uh, and he has really mentored and set the set the example for all of us. Uh, every single person, no matter what what section we covered, uh, you know, all of us look to Tim for you know everything from great headline ideas to packaging to finding ways to make uh, our work more compelling. Uh, and geez, well, like eleven years ago, uh, you recruited me from just being a reader uh, to actually become a writer for uh, Ad Freak, our blog. And uh, and then eventually on Adweek and eventually coming on full time, uh, so it's been a long run. Uh, but uh, you know, definitely, and I'll let Christina say a few words too because I know you've had a big impact on her as well. But uh, just want to say thank you for everything, and especially well, for co- co-hosting the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, David. Uh, you know, working with you has been fantastic, uh, going all the way back to the the early days of Adfreak in uh, the mid two thousands when we were not even on the main Adweek site. We were on a, our own little TypePad <laughs> site. <laughs> Uh, that kind of linked over to Adweek occasionally, but we were sort of our own little little uh, fiefdom, and uh, we've built it into something that I'm really proud of, and, and you've been a great great part of that. Christina, would you like to say any words? <laughs> like as this turns into a wake, that sounded very funereal. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what to say other than that I'm very happy for Ned and very sad for us, and uh, I think it you know. Um, still partially in denial because I talk to Ned every single day for a whole host of things and I'm very worried about being able to just like exist on my own without this like excellent sounding board. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm sad for me and for Adweek, but very happy for Ned. So. Well, thanks Christina. Uh, And I think, uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say that uh, creative and branding coverage, um, we're going to be leaving in good hands with with you and David, and I'm excited to see how you guys do and what you guys do with it. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Let's get this getting heavy. So over I'm here. Gonna... <laughs> I didn't bring my tissues into here. I forgot those. <laughs> all right. Uh, Tim, I can't let you go easily, so I have prepared a lightning quiz about advertising. Are you ready? <laughs> Wow. If this is true, then yes. It's absolutely true. I am going to make you miserable on your last appearance. Tim has no idea this is coming. He has no idea what I'm about to ask. It's going to be epic. Let's go. What year was Adweek founded? 1978. Oh, that is close, but that was when we were advertising News of New York, so I was looking for 1979 when we rebranded to Adweek. <laughs> okay. oh, sorry, I'm going to count that as a, as a wrong answer. Damn. All right, who is credited <laughs> with saying, I know I waste half of my advertising dollars, I just knew, wish I knew which half? John Wanamaker. Correct. What does BBH stand for? Bartle Bogle Hagerty. What does BBDO stand for? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I do like how I know. set you up with the easy one. <laughs> I know Osborne. I'm not sure about the other the other dudes. I was looking for Batten, Barton, Durston, and Osborne. What does w- WPP stand for? Oh, something Even petroleum products. Worldwide petroleum products. No, no. The largest company in advertising, of course, it stands for wire and plastic products, famously <laughs> because it made shopping baskets when it was purchased by Sir Martin Sorrell. <laughs> The first Cannes Lions was actually the International Advertising Film Festival held in what city, Tim? In Cannes. Wrong. Paris. Venice, Italy. <laughs> Paris. Venice, Italy was the answer. Who yeah, was the creative director on Apple's 1984? 
Lee Clow. Who, correct, who directed the Guinness ad Surfer? Jonathan Glazer. All right. Well, you got, I don't know, I wasn't really keeping track of <laughs> how many, enough. but you did, you did okay. <laughs> and you, uh, the only one that surprised me is WPP, but I'll let it slide because you were on the spot. So congratulations, Tim. You have passed your, your parting <laughs> test. Oh, well, thank you. And we will move on before any of us burst into tears. Time to talk about more news. I, this one is actually, um, a little bit older than than most of the news topics we get to talk about, but we've had kind of a weird recording schedule lately, uh, and so I did not want to miss this one. Uh, it's, it is about the launch of Time's Up Advertising. This is an extension of the very high-profile Time's Up movement to stop sexual harassment in workplaces and industries such as Hollywood. Uh, and in for Time's Up Advertising, it started as a small group of uh, very t- high-level uh, female executives in the ad agency world grew very quickly. Uh, 180 uh, female executives from agencies signed the open letter launching the movement. Uh, They had uh, already grown to, I think, 200 by then. It continues to grow, of course, once it came out. Uh, Many people came forward and said, we'd love to be part of this, which obviously is something that they were looking for. Uh, the mission statement of the of the movement is our mission is to drive new policies, practices, decisions, and tangible actions that result in more balanced, diverse, and accountable leadership, address workplace discrimination, harassment, and abuse, and create equitable and safe culture within our agencies. Uh, and then specifically as to why it was um, what what the role of these women will be. What's different about this one? Uh, compared to some movements, is that it's basically there's a lot of self ownership here. The women coming forward were basically saying, "I will put a firm stake in making sure that my company lives up to these standards." So this isn't just everyone saying, "Hey, the industry should do this." Uh, this is a lot of people saying, "My company will do this," and they're really putting themselves on on the line here because obviously, if something comes out, say a year from now, at one of these agencies as having been swept under the rug, it, you know, it really is going to reflect poorly on these women. So there's you know, I've talked to some of the organizers, and that that's something they all brought up is there is this kind of self-imposed pressure here uh, to lead by example. Uh, they had a line in their open letter where they said, as women in senior leadership positions in advertising, we've agreed that we have the power to change this business we love until it looks more like the industry we want to lead. As leaders, it's on us to foster a workplace where people are challenged but still respected. Uh, They're going to be launching with a listening tour that really kicks off on May 14th with uh, meetings in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Should be pretty amazing. Christina, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how this stands out to you compared to, you know, we've obviously had a lot of discussion around how the industry is addressing this, but what makes this one different than some of those other initiatives? I mean, as you were talking about, it's it's trying to be held accountable and not just like this sort of in the ether things are bad but we don't have any solutions for them. You know, um, they're, they're going to try and do the work to figure out what exactly they can do. Like it's, it's a recognition that like, you can't just say something is bad and then have like one rule that'll change it all. You have to do so many different things to get at the root of this problem. And I think they're willing to do that. I'm interested to see what comes out of it. I, I, I'm hopeful that this does something, but it's also one of those things where I'm very happy that this is happening and I think it's really rad and I can't wait to see what happens. But I'm also like, I don't know, there's just something where, um, and 
again, like abuse in the workplace and, you know, things that are not okay in the workplace are not entirely gendered. Um, you know, women can do bad things, men can do bad things, but I, I say that to, um, basically make the statement that like, I love this. I'm very into it. I'm excited to see what they do, but I also, I hate that sometimes it's always like women are set to clean up the messes that men make. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Uh, Tim, what did you think of this? I mean, that roster of the 180 executives, I mean, it is maybe one of the most all-star lists I've ever seen in one place uh, of some of the industry's top talent. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was wonderful to see this. Um, you know, I hope it really does make a material difference and fixes some of the problems. You know, I think I'm hoping that at the agencies where these women are employed, that there's going to be, you know, really on the ground kind of recognition that that behavior, you know, harassment and that kind of behavior is just not going to be tolerated. Uh, you know, Patrick in particular has written a bunch of stories for us about this topic. And, you know, you really get the sense, the, the very depressing sense from reading those stories that oftentimes the HR departments and the management at many of these agencies may, may pay lip service to these ideas, but they really, they do sweep things under the rug. And with any luck, you know, this, this, you know, brave group of women, I think they will, uh, you know, they will stop that from happening, hopefully. So we'll see. I mean, it's an, it's a really entrenched problem in advertising, uh, at least as much as other industries. And so it's not an easy problem to solve. But uh, I wouldn't uh, want anyone, you know, I can't imagine a better group of women kind of leading the charge on it. Yeah, and I think it really does show that the industry is moving beyond, you know, before the Me Too movement really, really started. Uh, obviously, these stories have been coming up for the last two, three years, uh, really high profile. I mean, they've been coming up, of course, for many years, but at a really high profile level in the last few years. But they've kind of been swept under the rug by optics. You know, a lot of it's just the companies say, oh, this was one bad actor, you know, but don't worry. Or they don't even admit that much. They just, you know, they just move that person. They just, yeah. they don't even let go of that person. They just move them to a different position somewhere else, still managing people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's been called, you know, trash passing for years uh, in schools and other industries where they've had to do this. And, uh, and, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, I was talking to an agency executive the other day, a female executive who said, you know, th we're, we're hamstrung in the sense because if we find someone committing, you know, really reprehensible acts and we get rid of them, we can't really talk about it. You know, there's so much legal uh, aspects where they're they're dramatically limited by their lawyers and by, you know, just the practicality of it, Of uh, you know. And so they admit that this initiative uh, is a challenge, is going to be a challenge for the organizations because it's like they're, they, even if they do the right thing, they may not be able to talk about it. And we've seen this already where several agencies represented on that list have gotten rid of executives uh, where allegations have come forward, but they don't comment on the allegations and they can't really talk about why they got rid of the person. Uh, so it's. Well, that's, that's part of the, I, I mean, that's part of the broader discussion that people are trying to have, which is that our legal system is not set up to benefit victims in like any way whatsoever. And if you're, you know, if you're a victim who's like put your name out there and to, to try and say that like, this is a thing that's happened to you. I want to make this publicly known. I, I, I think in the past, you know, maybe it's different over the last, you know, eight months or so. But in the past, it has been that that negatively impacts the victim's career and not necessarily it doesn't necessarily do anything to 
the you know the accused yeah you're you're absolutely right and and the other thing we see is that a lot of times they are forced into to get any kind of action on their complaints they're forced into these non-disclosure agreements uh that you know limit them from saying anything about it which so you know it's like they it, on, on every end, uh, this silence is kind of mutually enforced. And, and of course, Me Too has really helped break up that, but it still required a lot of bravery to come forward. Even if you have a pretty large group who will come forward with you, it uh, doesn't mean that you're going to, A, get anything done uh, about it, and B, that you might still face legal repercussions uh, you know, of libel or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been a real kind of impossible scenario uh, for the victims, as you say. And, and I think this shows that if, you know, if, if it all goes to plan, that the Time's Up uh, advertising movement can help change that discussion internally and, you know, change the way we, we talk about this and the way we encourage people to come forward. Uh, but I, I do feel like this is going to be a, a turning point. Maybe that's overly optimistic, but uh, certainly one of the more uh, kind of dramatic moments in what has already been a, a very high profile discussion. And 2018 is certainly, uh, this is the number one topic of 20, 2018. This is pretty much what everyone is talking about in the agency world. Uh, so good to see it getting addressed at this level. Uh, all right. Well, I the, wanted to move on to a, a slightly uh, brighter topic. Tim, you can uh, recap our ad worth watching this week. What have you got for us on your last week? Well, it's funny. It's not even an ad. It's a behind the scenes of an ad that we've already talked about, but I thought it was worth <laughs> chatting on, about. Come on, come on. You're like, you're phoning it in on your life. You're just like, no, I'm not <laughs> even going to bother bringing an ad. No, this is actually very cool. So tell us about it. Yeah. So it's, I'm sure everyone remembers uh, Spike Jones' recent um, short film for Apple called Welcome Home, uh, which uh, starred the uh, musician and actress uh, FKA Twigs as a woman who comes home after a rough day at work, uh, comes home to her very small um, city apartment and puts on some music with her uh, Apple HomePod and then, you know, embarks on this really, really surreal, colorful, uh, wonderful journey through her apartment, which keeps sort of magically expanding. Um, she ends up meeting, you know, herself and they have, they dance together and it's this really, it's almost hard to describe, but it was a wonderful uh, Apple spot, a four minute film that Spike Jones did. And that was probably three or four weeks ago, something like that. And uh, we were very uh, excited this week uh, at Adweek to premiere the the making of uh, behind the scenes video for for Welcome Home, which honestly, like you know, when I when I when someone sends me a behind the scenes video, I, I rarely do I expect anything of it. It's usually just very cursory and not very interesting. Uh, but I have to say, this is perhaps the best one I've ever seen. It's, you know, it explains everything, almost everything about uh, how this ad was made. It, it touches on the, the choreography. It touches on the production design, which was really, really wild. Uh, the, they talked to the lighting uh, people, the, the, the people that, that oversaw the music, uh, the visual effects, which were mostly practical effects. Uh, it turns out there was very little CGI in this. And... You know, it's almost seven minutes long, and you know, um, Spike is in it a lot. Um, the the choreographer uh, Ryan Heffington is in it a lot, and you know, you you just really get a a, a really great sense of how you know that something like this comes together. Obviously, the finished film uh, is. You know, it, it stands on its own. And, but then when you really take a look and, and see, like, all the challenges that go into making something like this, it makes it feel sort of almost more remarkable. And, and I would say the the seven-minute making of, for me, was almost uh, as, as fascinating to watch uh, as the actual spot. And maybe we could listen to a clip of it here because there's a lot of chatting um, 
you know, Spike talks a lot in the film and, and, uh, and about, the, about the creative process. So let's listen to a little clip of it here. He came to the office and he brought uh, some sets that he was working with and explaining us how he would approach this extrusion of the house on real time, simultaneously with the music. He's going to do that in 11 seconds. It could look terrible. It could not work. Like sets of shaking. This is definitely one of the most challenging jobs I've ever worked on, but it's also one of the most creative. It's all compressed and it's all together and there's so many different things happening. It's literally so many moving parts. I thought that they might do more in like post and special effects, but all of it, like if it's a stretched house, the house is actually stretched. Our biggest effect is actually uh, these MoCo shots where she's actually dancing with herself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Have you guys ever seen anything like this as far as a BTS film goes? No, it's so good. It's it's incredible. Um, even just like the beginning of it where um, you can see Spike and FKA Twigs and then um, Ryan Heffington sort of going over like how the dance moves should um, match right up with the song. So there's this like consideration of the choreography to go with the song that was written for the ad, then like how the camera should move around that choreography. It's like, it's so intricate and detailed to even be get, be able to get to like that part of it. And then you get into like the practical moving of the sets part. And it's just, it's so incredible. And I love that uh, even, uh, I think, Christina, you noticed that the Dunkirk cinematographer yeah. w- was was hanging out. And he's not even identified and not interviewed. No, he's not. He's just like, he has a very distinct look. And the only reason I recognize him, um, I haven't seen Dunkirk. I'm sorry. I'm not the biggest Nolan fan. Um, but... The only reason I recognize him is because Marty, when he was on set for um, the Tide ads, he was like, oh, yeah, I think it was by the Dunkirk um, DP. And then, you know, we looked him up and he just has a very recognizable look. Right. So he's helping Spike kind of shoot this. I mean, Spike's got the he's operating the camera in a lot of the shots here. But uh, it seems like uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema uh, helps him out a lot. And I just love that this is coming from Apple, too, because Apple is such a, a secretive marketer in many ways. You know, they, they don't release a lot of details usually about uh, about much of anything that they do. They just they let the finished work stand on its own, and they rarely comment on it. And uh, to let all the players that, that contributed to this film sort of talk about it um, was really, really refreshing. And, and as a whole, it really, I think, complements the original piece really well and just shows what a wonderful uh, creative uh, production this really was there's also footage of twigs doing her um her audition via facetime which is so good it's like you know the, the, the half the screen it's like spike watching and then she's kind of doing this dance in her apartment <laughs> and it's just like you know like that that really raw look at like how collaborations start uh, I thought was really fascinating too. Well, the the thing that's so lovely about that is is there's this recognition, um, or about the whole th- the thing as a whole, is that there's this recognition that like um, you can record all of this stuff now. You can keep all of these bits um, really easily, like that Skype call, and use it if you wanted to. You know, it's they had to be thinking about a making of the of the ad video or, you know, they had to be like considering recording all of this content. 
Totally. And we should mention that this the, the BTS video was, was directed by uh, Danilo Parra, P-A-R-R-A, uh, who did just a fabulous job assembling all of these different interviews and, and glimpses. And it's, it's an artistic product in itself, this video. Uh, and, and I was super impressed by it. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you, Tim. It is rare that a BTS uh, video is actually worth uh, watching at all. But in this case, I think is uh, almost as good. Uh, I wouldn't quite put it on the same emotional impact for me of watching the original, but definitely makes you appreciate it even more. So thank you for that. All right. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this episode was produced by Anya Fernando. Please take a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they also help new audiences discover the show. Uh, I'm David Griner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. 